You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. I'm Christian Babcock, the host of the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. And what we do on the podcast is we talk to disruptive companies in the outdoor industry, talk about innovative hunting solutions that are changing the landscape, as well as offer you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. All in all, I just want to help you become a better hunter by providing you with high-quality knowledge and information that you can trust. Stay tuned. little backstory. We got spring break coming up. Jake decides he wants to go turkey hunting. He knows I'm the superior turkey hunter. So, of course, he calls me. We are hoping to bring along Tori, which is Jake's girlfriend, and our friend named Gerd. Otherwise known as Grady. Gerd couldn't go. And Tori had to stay back in Stillwater to fly. So here we are. Headed to, to Mississippi. Headed to Mississippi. To hunt true easterns in the mountains. It all starts on Friday. At about 2pm when we're supposed to leave. Jake in, in character pulls up about 2.15. He wasn't ready to leave. So... We get all our stuff, we pack it all up, and we head east from Mississippi. We get almost 12 miles out of town before we make our first stop. <laughs> I, had write, I had to write an essay, uh, thanks to my BCom professor. Had an essay due midnight, worked like a slave all week just to get all my other stuff done, and just couldn't couldn't quite grind it out but uh now we we get on the road knowing that we're, we're going through Venita, which is going to set us back maybe an hour but it's really not a big deal it's on the way so it it uh kept us from having to make a kept christian from having to make a second trip there and uh all in all it was just the best best way to get get down there and so we're on our way uh, we stop at the mcdonald's off the side of the interstate so we can switch off grab a bite to eat and uh, get going to Tulsa realize we need some shells stop at Bass Pro I look at a cot didn't buy a cot waste a little bit of our time a little bitty cot and and in short the reason we got down there so behind is is just because of all of our many pit stops but we after about I don't know, two hours of setback, we realized that we weren't going to get to sleep much at all, so we just started enjoying it. We enjoyed it by, so we stopped at this little gas station, and it's this little big gas station, and I tell Jake, let's stop in this casino. Jake thinks the gas station is the casino, because sometimes the gas station will have slot machines inside of them. I said, no, it's the big, bright casino right behind it. So we go into that casino. I brought in $100. I was going to leave in about 32 minutes with $0. But Jake brought us back from the dead with the $5 money bags. We're sitting over there, and I first machine I sat down at was just a Red Hot Ruby, and I hit for 100 bucks, which is decent, you know, decent hit, but really it's just more to play on if you if you want to win. And so... We're sitting there, and I think I work it down to like 160, and I 
pull that out and go to a different machine and Kristen's like dude you gotta we're gonna I, I went to a penny machine I was just I don't know I was just messing around and he's like we either need to leave or you need to go put that in a bigger machine and try to do something with it and so takes me over to a five dollar money bag machine and uh, I think I was betting two no I was single betting wasn't I at first year single betting single betting and uh, I think I hit for what do we say 200 bucks mm-hmm. hit for 200 bucks and uh, maybe I had a small hit too because it got me up above 200 and yeah then, I think you hit like 60 at first yeah hit for like 60 and then 200 and so I'm up to like 415 Christian Max bets one time hits it nothing and so we pull that out and uh, he's like alright let's go cash it because I told him at the very beginning before we went in there that he was my my security guard my he was my money's security guard he wasn't my security guard he pretty much was defending my money against me so <laughs> we uh we go over there and as he's standing in line uh to cash out I'm like dude just let me have my let me have my ticket back I want to put it in this machine real quick and he's literally like two people behind the machine and before you know it I'm I'm down 20 bucks so drop from from 400 to 380 in the matter of like 30 seconds and looking back you know probably not the best idea but who knows could have hit it could have hit and but it didn't it that that in itself was a Outside of the few hundred dollars that that we did win at the casino, I would say that the the twenty dollars lost was more repre, uh, representative of how the following events occurred. Yeah. So we drive all the way to Mississippi. We go through Memphis. Memphis was pretty cool too. Getting to drive across the bridge looked real pretty from. Our view. Oh, Memphis looks awesome. It was dead in the night, so there wasn't any traffic. It was probably 3 a.m. going through Memphis. Yeah. Yeah, it was like rainbow, and there was like a rainbow bridge, and like Memphis, downtown Memphis looked gorgeous. Yeah, skyscrapers were, just look, look neat, look organized. So we get through Memphis, and then we go... Where's the, where's the next place we stopped? We stopped at that sketchy gas station. Oh, yeah. See a dude on the side of the roads that tries to flag us down for a ride. We try to go to Walmart to buy our uh, tags in person. And the lady next to us, she was just chilling outside of Walmart. Turns out she's an employee. She's just sitting there having a drag a couple hours before work starts. <laughs> and a uh, nice lady told us that they weren't, weren't open yet. Wouldn't open until 6. And so we get back on the road. Another one of those little things that nicked at our time. And uh, Christian, he starts, he bought our licenses on online as we're driving down the road. And um, really, about after that, I mean, we pull into Bruce. I mean, there wasn't anything eventful after that in mm-hmm. between our trip. And so, Jake finished his essay. Yeah, I finished my essay with like ten minutes to spare. But it, Christian can testify that it was a pretty pretty well written it was very well written piece it only took like eight or nine hours to write yeah but it was gorgeous but you can't can't rush what's that saying you can't rush yeah there you go can't can't rush perfection you just can't you gotta let it come to you it was just like it's just like the the talent just 
oozed from my fingers onto those keys. Slowly. Slowly. Just piece by piece. Dauntingly slow. But So he got his essay done. We roll up in Bruce. We get really lucky because we roll up to this one gas station. Which happens to be the most fire gas station in the whole town. Oh yeah. You Granted know. we never went to another <laughs> yeah. we went we went to one other gas station, but th- this place had the best food. Their food so we got the first day I got a biscuit and gravy, three pieces of bacon, um, like smoke, two, four pieces of smoked sausage, and I think I got a drink, and it was like five dollars and fifty cents. Yeah, it was like five dollars and some change. And I got, I got scrambled eggs, ham, and two biscuits, and I am a biscuit man, and those were some good biscuits. The place it was, was fire. It was the perfect blue-collar meal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely delicious and cheap. And little did we know those workers would later become our friends. Yeah, over pretty much a the only bondage. friends that we, yes. we found in Mississippi. So day one, we roll up. It's, you know, we haven't slept at this point. We, at all. At all, since, like, the day previously. So it's, it's rolling on 24 hours, and... We haven't slept. We just drove about, you know, should have been an eight-hour or seven-and-a-half-hour trip, and it took us. How long did it take us? Oh, man. we So we left at 2, and uh, we got Pulled in at, at like, six. 5. Oh, it was 6, no, wasn't it? No, it was 5. It, no, we rolled up at, yeah, at 5. Well, no, it might have been, like, 5.30, because we didn't yeah. get to the WMA until about 6. 6, so. yeah. So that was, God, so it was, like, a 14-hour trip. No, even worse. Yeah, 16-hour trip. Yeah. It took us, like, just, 16 hours. Just... I mean, just creeping along with casino coffee and and <laughs> Red Bull second, energy drinks, secondhand nicotine, just just fueling us along the way. One of the things that did fuel us is we stopped at this one gas station in Arkansas, and this dude, this dude, walks in. We're both being takes a dump. Oh man! He made this dump echoes echoes <laughs> the walls. And this man has the audacity, before I'm even done washing my hands, to get out, look me right in the face, and put his dirty hands on the door and walk out the door. It's <laughs> so gross. Like I'm still, I'm still at the urinal, and you just hear this dude let one rip, and he, there's no letting back. And those kind of people, like you know, you know that they're about, they're just unsanitary, and so like. Most people, you would think, would sit in the stall and tell the two goobers laughing <laughs> at them to fart and leave, but this dude opens up the stall, like me and Christian are still kind of giggling, and opens up the stall, looks Christian square in the eyes, and then proceeds to grab hold of the door handle, so we're we're sitting there trying to figure out how we're going to get out of there without catching some disease. Yeah. I tried to grab the door handle, and Jake runs at me with a paper towel. He's like, no! Stops me. And then we go into a little bit of backstory about germophobia. Yeah. But, but that was fine. That story, that was a side note. But anyway, so we roll up. It's not up. too severe. It's like a 6 out of 10. Yeah. So we we roll up the first day. And just so you know, where we're used to hunting, on we use Onyx quite a bit. And... When Onyx says something's usually a field, it's either an agriculture field or it's a clear cut. So it's usually actually pretty pretty clear if it looks like it's so on the map. But down here, it's just a very different story. 
just anything on the map that looks like it could be clear is likely i mean onyx is pretty up to date but it takes them a while to to it takes them a while to update those things and so if you see something that looks clear it may not really be what it appears on the map so we pull up to one of the pins which not to brag my pin game was pretty good <laughs> that's fair most most places i had a pin down we at least found some sort of bird sign mm -hmm. but this place our first pin really it it was a it was a strike it was out. a dud and it wasn't a good first impression that's for sure if we had found something else it could have changed the game for our trip just by getting lucky our first morning but we absolutely did not and uh walked into this clear cut i mean it was probably two years since it had actually been cut so it's grown up with pines and still haven't quite figured out what those bushes are i think they i really thought that they were blackberry bushes but yeah they could not be but i mean just vicious little uh thorns on these things they kind of curl back so it's like their barbs aren't just straight out so whenever they hook you i mean you're in like they, they got you good there was no shortage of them either no so like we're we're there i mean early enough that if we were to have gotten lucky you know we would have heard birds and uh i mean we're tired but we're trucking along and i bet we ended up we we walked that whole thing we got it well we got in like 100 yards and backed out we were just walking parallel to the road because it was so thick didn't even know and christian he finally pointed out that we were, weren't getting anywhere and so ended up backing out walked down a different road and pretty much walked that entire thing just a big circle on it mm -hmm. and put in i don't know i bet we put in six miles just right there maybe yeah probably five we or did six over miles. over 12 that day all the while when we pull up there's people zooming by us yeah like locals coming in like it's six 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 fifteen and they're like and keep in mind these are not very nice roads no and these people are, are flying like in their little toyotas you know and the rusted out fenders and all that stuff so you know they don't care about crashing their truck one thing we should mention is uh it was opening weekend in mississippi so we were contemplating on going to alabama because they opened up the 16th and uh, which would have been the saturday of our spring break but mississippi opened the 15th and it's much closer to oklahoma so it's kind of how we narrowed it down and uh so anyways opening weekend which you know the friday had been the first day and then that saturday which is the day we actually got there uh it was we just we knew that we were going to run into to competition but fortunately we never actually had an encounter with someone out in the well except for except for one mr guy. private land mm -hmm. but uh yeah so we get there we walk that six mile stretch we work up we get off the road we, we had worked this entire circle and so we get up back on the road and we're walking back and we met our first true mississippian <laughs> as we're walking up the road and and true he met all my expectations yes exactly exactly what you would expect of like a good old boy in mississippi and this man walks up or not walks up drives up rolls the window down he's like y'all need a ride He's, he is smoking a long boy, and it's just it's just uh, wiggling out of his mouth, smoke rolling out of the truck. And keep in mind, it's only like seven thirty or eight o'clock. Yeah, like, this yeah, man he had, had not hunted long, <laughs> not at all. He yeah, and he, he he's like like y'all want to ride? 
So, you know, and that's what I just love about hunting, like, hunting and, like, hunting culture stuff. Like, two men are walking down the roads with shotguns, <laughs> and you invite them to get in your truck. Like, nowhere else on earth would that happen. But we get in with him. He gives us a ride back to the truck. You know, he's ta- we're talking about hunting in Kansas and Nebraska, and he's we're talking to him about these birds because uh, and these clear cuts and stuff. And he's he tells us the biologist you they used to plant food plots in there like four or five years ago, but they hadn't in you know four or five years. And so we're wondering what to do. And he tells us kind of kind of what to look for, like looking these hardwood bottoms and stuff. So. But then we Which spent, was really a great piece of advice. It is a he, good advice. He changed. I mean, it could have taken us a full another day or two to, to actually figure out where these birds hung out. Actually, I don't know if we we ever would have. I mean, I hunting birds in southeast Oklahoma, uh, you know, they're they're easterns too, but they, they really don't behave. I mean, in, in ways they do, but their mannerisms are, are still different. And uh, this guy, he just, he did give us a lot of great information that he didn't have to. And uh, if it hadn't been for that, I mean, we might have been stuck hunting pine ridges or trying to at least find open pine ridges. And there just really weren't anywhere we were. Uh, There was a few exceptions, but uh, finally figured out that those hardwood bottoms were the place to be. And hardwood bottoms connected to something. Yeah. Because we checked out some hardwood bottoms in the beginning some really 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 steep ones and we got way off in there and they might have been good if you had been there early in the morning to know where the birds had sounded off on the roost exactly and that's that's the first problem that we really noticed is that these birds you know because mississippi is such a long state north and south the birds in the south part are going to be much further along in the season than the birds in the northern part of the state and that's something that we didn't account for whenever we planned this trip Mm -hmm. and uh so i mean for up until i guess it would be our fifth day we didn't hear a single gobble after like an hour off the roost so that was a really big deal and something that we learned is just that if you wanted to to be on the birds you needed to be somewhere where you thought that they would be and just be willing to bounce around not be set to one spot in the morning because that's where where you're really gonna uh, get most of I mean you can walk for for I mean we walked dozens of miles and still the most productive method of getting on birds was just listening to them in the morning and if you can't roost birds in the afternoon, you have to find ways to figure out where they're at. Yeah. Even if that means sacrificing what could, you know, what could be a, a morning hunt that you actually just sit down and and call and, you know, it it's worth your time and your money to, uh, you know, go ahead and write one hunt off just, just so you can find birds. Yeah. And, and just, just because you do that doesn't mean that you don't get to hunt them i mean you still probably i mean that's what we did i think our fifth day you still have every bit of a chance if not more of hunting those birds if you can hear them yeah that was our issue for a while was you know first 30 minutes to an hour we hear all these birds and then or don't or or don't a lot of the times don't not but when we heard them um 
after that, the rest of the day just seems so uneventful. Yeah. Because you're trying to cut these birds off in these bottoms, and you're sitting and waiting for hours in these bottoms, not even knowing if yours is the bottom that they're in or the bottom they went down because you just have a relative gobble. And it's sometimes only one gobble in the morning. And so you got you to, gotta like, take that information and, and like, be super predictive in, like, where they're going to be. And they, another thing we noticed, they mill and they move so slow. Very slowly, but over the course of a day can be a half mile. I yeah. mean, look, we should, I mean, I guess we should bounce back to our second, or our first evening. I mean, that might, that might, I'm trying to think what we even did our first evening. Kept scouting. Did we, did, is that all we did is just like walk around and try to find wa- tracks? kept walking, yeah. Kept, kept walking. walking. Then, yeah, because we walked. We had to have sat down somewhere. Yeah, we I think we did several times. Remember when uh, we checked that one ag field, or what we thought was an ag field? Um, remember where we camped? Yeah. Uh, so where we camped, we, we all we went all back up in there at the end of day one, and then we went back in there day two, and that's when we heard the first gobble. Remember that? Oh, what? So evening of, of day one, we did what now? We walked. Remember we worked all way way down in that steep 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 bottom, and it, and it bottomed out. Oh we just worked yeah, all that's through there. right. That's that's the part yeah i know what you're talking about so we pretty much day one was just scouting very uneventful no hardly any bird sign at all i mean the few first tracks only, yeah a few tracks and we were uh, fortunate to to get to mississippi just after a rain so everything we did see was was new and in part that's good and in part it's not because tracks are probably the easiest sign to find uh, outside of like poop and it if they're not I mean if you if you catch it after rain you'll know that they're new but you're not going to see old tracks either which uh, can be hurtful as well but spent that first day scouting and th- that next morning so day two walk into an area and uh, I mean really was in a pretty good area looking back we, we never spent much time there we heard a bird gobble that morning Mm-hmm. And uh, just one time, really faint. Yeah, really faint. Probably it. That's another deal that was uh, a challenge for us is just predicting or, or guessing how far the birds were when they gobbled, just because of the different terrain. So this bird, we looking back, I bet he was five or six hundred yards away, somewhere yeah. in in the bottom, just just past us. But tried to get on him and uh call but i just don't think we were we were where he was wanting to work and and at this point in the season in the northern part of the state the toms are just not they're not looking for hens like they would be here in a a couple or a few weeks so Mm -hmm. yeah that's another thing that we learned is just adjusting our strategy you know like we we got on on birds but in part you were almost hunting as if they were fall turkey you know because they're not very responsive to calling, and if they are, it's because they're trying to meet up with their hens to uh, feed. And <clears throat> in the mornings, they're they're a bit more fired up, but not so much in the afternoon. Not not hardly at all in the afternoon. And you could you could see a progression from day one to day seven of like how aggressive they were when they gobbled. Yeah, I think so, and that that could vary just from from the birds that and how you're on. many birds but it did seem and and we we noticed a trend uh with temperature whenever 
whenever we would go hunting, I mean, it was 35 degrees some mornings. I think maybe 34. Uh, uh, our first couple mornings there, and I mean, it was cold. And those days where where it was 37 or 38, I mean, just a few degrees difference. Uh, we really thought made a difference in the amount of gobbles that we heard, and uh, that that's variable as we were probably on more birds the later on we went but uh but even those those toms that we ended up finding they gobbled that once on the roost mm -hmm. uh in the afternoon so we got we got day one we, it was just a scouting day um day two worked that bottom we had the one the one gobble that day and that was another long day of walking yeah i'm trying to think well day day two afternoon uh, was when we found bird sign that the place was called yeah bird yeah sign. yeah so we yeah we found this place called bird sign and it was you you talked about the beaver what was what was up with the ponds and the beaver oh yeah so there was uh, what we ended up finding and that we uh, was kind of indicated by the local guys you're gonna find these ridges that drop down into hardwood bottoms. So you've got pines at higher altitudes, and then they can be pretty um, steep or not so steep, but they'll either gradually or you know gradually drop down into these hardwood bottoms, and you you've got a much more open floor, and uh, that's where those creeks run through too. And so you could just imagine as a turkey, you know, there's fallen leaves in there for for you to scratch around probably they're finding grubs and, and worms, worms and all then, kinds of stuff yeah what and then there's just there's more vegetation in there too i mean you get up underneath those pines and all you're looking at <clears throat> is just pine needles and uh we we didn't find hardly any pines that had open floors and so um we get i guess this one particular spot at the at the middle of the hardwood bottom there were at least on the map it looked to be just an open field which like we said earlier wasn't the case and almost all the time uh in in places that looked open and so we get down there and we're hoping to see just this little green meadow you know i guess that's ideally what we were expecting even though it might not have been practical and we creep over and down this pine ridge and we look out and there's just this most, most beautiful pond you'd ever seen i mean it had it was a, a result of this beaver uh, beaver dam on the northern end i guess i guess he would have had it dammed up at the northern end but he would have also had it dammed up yeah at he the had southern it dammed end, up several there, times there was a we never walked to the the seceding ponds but there was a string of three or four of them and we just we were at the the head pond and so it was at least on the map the biggest and couldn't really tell how deep it was in some areas like near the front end of it it looked fairly deep but uh on the back end it tapered off and you could see where grass was just i mean there was just just grass growing in the middle of the pond and so there was a goose out there just kind of feeding around so you know you could imagine it what might have just been a few feet deep right in there uh, and then maybe more like six to eight foot deep in the in the other end, but just just this beautiful pond went from one ridge to the next, laid at the very bottom of it, and I mean we we got down 
and you know we we sat there and Christian was like well what do you think or maybe I asked him what he he thought he was like I think it's beautiful but it's not what I was hoping for mm-hmm. and that's the exact way I felt I mean it was certainly a sight to see but whenever you're there for turkey it's not uh, it's not the habitat we were looking for but as a whole I mean looking back it's one of the things that I'll remember something we talked about when we were looking at it um was how many people have probably never or like how many times that pond has been seen yeah because it is like it's tucked back in there like what a half mile maybe three quarters of a mile probably three quarters and it it all depends on how far you can take those roads but right but even still i mean you do have to walk and the walking's not easy even on the roads it's ups and downs and and uh just to to get in there those that area of pine was really thick and it was really steep on that area. That one was extremely just, steep. Just from that steepness there to walking down the road another half mile and down into the bird sign place was considerable. Oh, yeah. Because it was miserable getting up there. Yeah. And it rolled, and there was bottoms rolling down into the other bottoms. Yeah. So that was that one was tough. But, okay, so thinking about something we didn't mention was how we ended up at the Roach Den. And the camping of night one. Before we get into the preceding days of day three, that was day one and two in a nutshell. We ended up spending the rest of day two at the bird sign place, which the hardwood bottom that led into a private ag field. Yeah, Um, that's right. And so we ended up spending the rest of the day in there. We didn't hear anything. We didn't hear any rustling, any scratching, or any gobbles. So at that time, we're we're like, okay, we're going to go. You know, this is a good lead, but we're going to keep looking. And so then, but on day on day one, we tried to spend the night in the tent, and Jake had an interesting perspective of what he thought about the tent. Yeah, so, yeah, I, we really did stop in Venita to get a shotgun and a tent, and <laughs> it turns out that the shotgun was the only necessary piece of equipment, <laughs> and uh, we tried to, to camp, because we're hardcore. And, we're like Bear Grylls enthusiasts. Yeah. And just thick skinned, you know, don't get cold. <laughs> just, we're the woolly mammoths of the human world. <laughs> and uh, so we, yeah, night one, we set up tent. It's like, it's almost 11 by the time we lay down. I'm pretty sure it was like 11, 15 by the time we lay down. But before it- that, before that, we, we, pop this tent up or at least we try to and it turns out the front one side of the tent two legs of it don't work <laughs> and so we finally <laughs> it's a lean we, to at best we decide that uh yeah that the lean to we fashioned will suffice and uh we crawl in there and i mean we're it was like a 10 man tent it's or supposed something. to be a 10 man tent but it turned into a half man oh we really were packed quick. in there like sardines and, and keep in mind that jake left his blankets and we he left and a blan- pillow he left his blankets either. and a pillow so i got him these scrounged up everything i could at my house which was three thin blankets that were probably half the length of him and yeah. then <laughs> i just enough to cover it like i used one for my torso and then the other for my legs and then Kristen told me that for my sleeping comfort it was best to have one as a base layer <laughs> as if that was gonna make the bumps in the <laughs> the ground any less rigid it's like putting a band-aid over it yeah so we we do that and uh i mean we're just we're just whooping the night and i i woke up at like two no 
one. I woke up. No, at like, it was it was one, and we went to bed at. It was 11. like one fifteen, so I was asleep for like two hours, and I wake up and I'm freezing. I'm just because it gets I, cold at night. Oh yeah, and that's something that I didn't realize is how cold it was going to be there. And I wake up and I'm like, there is no way I'm going back to bed. And uh, I try to for like another twenty minutes, and I just can't do it. And so. Like, I'm trying to get out of this tent. I can't figure out how to get out of it because the door's not even firm enough for me to, like, put pressure on. You can't on. crawl out. Otherwise, it's just going to collapse on us. And uh, Christian wakes up. We're face-to-face. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to the pickup. It's cold. And uh, I was thinking he was going to make fun of me for being a sissy. And he ends up, he's like, all right, I'll be there, too. And so we spend the rest of the night in the pickup, which... I've done before, and it's, well... It's an honest day's work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's no roached in, but uh, <laughs> it's pretty nice, you know. It will suffice for a night. Compared to the tent, or the lean-to... Oh, it was the Ritz-Carlton it was, compared it was, to the yeah, lean-to. It, it had nice. air conditioning. Jake cranked it up to, like, I cranked it up to, like, 80 in here. Christian has his on, like, 90. Like, my thing, it goes to 89, and then it just says high. So, like, you don't really know how hot it is, but Christian had his on high. I had mine on, like, 78. And so we're just, I mean, two we're different climates. Yeah, two different climates going on, but we're, you know, we're, we're making it work. And uh, regardless, it was much better than the 30-degree weather that we had going on. But the thing was... Um, Oh, I was gonna say, okay, so we walked probably closer to 13 miles that first day. And so, as you can tell, we're probably not smelling the best after 13 yeah. miles. And so the thing that I'm thinking when we sleep in the truck and get out at day two, which was those first few days were kind of miserable because you're walking, you're not doing any hunting. I was, I, we were starting to think, how the heck, I was starting to think, how am I going to go a week without <laughs> bathing? It might have ended up being the ba- the beaver pond, but anyways, we, we that it's sad to say, but we had the beaver pond was a legitimate consideration for bathing. Yes, so that that with bring, no soap, we, <laughs> we were just gonna take a swim in a pond, but it was surely going to be better than smelling our feet and other extremities. Excrements. So that's what led us to night two. Before we get into day three, which was the beginning of probably the actual hunting <laughs> aspect of it. So day two, we're like, we should check on a hotel. And, you know, Bruce is not very big. So there's like two roads. It's about like Snyder, you know. Vanita's considered the, the New York of these places. Not really. But anyway, <laughs> so we, we walk through or we drive through uh, Bruce. And there's this big, just a little backstory on Bruce. There's this big sawmill. And it runs 24 hours a day. And it's all smoking. And so, since we've only drove the main road, we only know of one hotel. It's called the Sawmill Hotel. And if you've seen the, the movie No Country for Old Men, it's about like those kind of hotel rooms. The ones that you have to sleep, you have to be awake and watch your truck at night so it doesn't get taken. It's either like, it it, it was somewhere in bet- between the the nice family that was living next to us that first <laughs> night. Given... <laughs> Giving their uh, showing her her wrestling moves. I don't know who that was. Maybe their uncle or something. They were giving them a, a nice buzz cut right out in the <laughs> front yard. <And> the <laughs> giving him a 
nice buzz cut just right out there. We pull up and they're running a barber shop next to the van. I went out there one a little bit later and I see one of them. They've got a little bitty Coleman Grove, uh, Coleman grill that's that's plugged into the wall somewhere inside the room. And he was, he was flipping hot dogs or something and it was time to take them in. So he brought those back inside. I guess they were worrying about smoking the room out. But Oh my God. Uh, yeah. So... Yeah, I had that, and but anyways, what I was gonna say is it was it was somewhere between the hotel or the little motel that you see in No Country for Old Men, or that type of motel that a guy named Norman Bates would run. <laughs> Norman Bates. You <laughs> seen like the Bates Motel? Uh-uh. Psycho? No. Never seen the movie Psycho? Uh-uh. Oh my gosh, dude! I'm hoping someone that's listening knows what that is. I'm sure. I'm sure most. most people I, I think a lot of people would know who or the movie Psycho. There's like three Psycho movies, but this. I'm trying to even think how movie Psycho goes. This chick and maybe some dude. They go, they they go into this. They I don't know what they're doing. They're off somewhere and they stay at this super sketchy motel. I mean, pretty pretty much on par with what we were living in for for that first night and uh it's about her like this dude he's creepy he's got like his mom mummified and he comes in and murders her or whatever so if you've if you've not yet to watch the movie psycho and you'd like to you might not want to listen to that because that's really going to ruin like the entire movie (laughs) don't listen to that plot he just explained yeah but that's pretty much what we were living in and uh we got our room upgraded though well, that was after Christian got hit in the head with a cockroach. Cockroach came in there and, like, was swinging a bat at him. He was wearing boxing gloves. He threw me a pair on my bed. <laughs> and we started to tussle a little bit. Jake walked in. I had him in a headlock. And he was hitting me in the back. And so Jake stomped on him. I, I broke it up, and I told him to lay off Christian. And he said he wasn't gonna. And so <laughs> he just had to. After that, me and Christian, both of us, we were able to. I mean, it was it was pretty tough. I didn't think for a second I didn't think we were going to be able to do it, but we did. We got him down, got him put out. <laughs> well, the funny thing was, we walked in, talking to the owner, where we talked about about getting. We were talking about something about getting an extended stay or something. We hadn't even stayed a night there yet, and he was like, I was like, do you spray for cockroaches? And he goes, <laughs> he goes, yeah, every two weeks. And I, and we were like. BS, we just saw two of them. So he's like, I'll upgrade you, I'll upgrade you. He takes us down to the end next to the Buzzcut Barbershop that we were sitting at, <laughs> the Coleman Grill guys, and he opens it, and dude, comparative to what we were staying in before, this was the this was a like luxury suite. Our our first room to paint a picture for you, I mean there's nothing on the walls. Absolutely nothing. And uh, when you walk in, it's two beds and like you're living in a square box and uh, we go into the next room that he takes us to and it's like we were in the honeymoon suite there's a TV you've got like a $200 refrigerator in there a microwave yep like a functional bathroom a bathroom that only has marginal amounts of rust <laughs> and dirt on the, on the floor sheets and, that are marginally clean yeah and and another thing to mention is these little motels you, you know what you're getting into before you, you buy into it so you really you can't complain and 
I'd say for the for the 60 bucks we spent for the first night, like 50 of that was for the experience of knowing what it's like to almost live in nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think. Oh yeah, no smoking. Got no smoking room, and so when it went in those motels, basically what you're what you're asking for is a room with less smoke. <laughs> and uh, we we get whenever we get transferred to our nicer room i'm i'm laying in bed and i see like four cigarette holes right around my chin so i you know it just (laughs) they either recycle the sheets or it's a smoking room yeah which you would think that they would put two and two together and and keep those rooms separate but it's not necessarily the case so we we did that we did that first night or yeah no that was night two yeah night two we had the hotel yeah so night three is really when we kind of got into our first, or morning three was when we got yep. into our first action. We had we had found that bird sign place, and then the evening. How did we find that? Was it day three or day four that we found that? It was day. I thought it was day three that we no. It couldn't have been because I, we had to have found that sign that night before. Remember we sat in there. Yeah. So day three, we must have done something day the morning of day three. Anyways, we went out somewhere the morning of day three. We ended up. Now we got to get this right. I got to think about this now. That couldn't have been the morning of day three because it was after when we went set up on that 400 road. Yeah, I know. So that was day three when we set up on that 400 road. What did we do the morning of day three? The morning of day three, we would have. Well, maybe bird sign might have been not that. No, that we sat there till dark. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. That was our second day for sure. I just don't know what happened the morning of day three. We can come back to it. Okay. I guess. Anyways, so the e- the evening of day three, we spent out on this. You know, about a half mile from bird sign to back towards the what would that have been the north? No. From bird sign, where yeah. did we go? up to that next road and we walked all the way into that 400 circle place oh yeah so that was just a little bit east of there okay and all this stuff is like i mean it's somewhat i mean it's really interesting whenever you hunt public land and i mean the place that we were at it wasn't all that big but whenever you are capable of hunting uh, a piece of property or you know some land that's that you can go for a long ways and not be restricted you you really learn how everything ties into each other i mean whenever you hunt private you know like how deer and how turkey function on your property uh and you i guess you can kind of guess or assume what they do like when they leave your pro- let's say you have a, a tree row and it goes on to the other property like you can pretty much assume that that deer or whatever is going to travel through you and on to them and and vice versa but whenever you're on larger chunks of land you know that's several thousand acres you begin to if you hunt it enough you begin to see how all those things just are intertwined and especially with these turkey that we hunted i mean they travel so much that you you just see how even though one area is really enticing and shows a lot of promise 
like they could be a half mile over and or they could be a mile over depending on how many days it's been since they were in there right and uh so yeah i mean we walked in to there which was just i mean from where we hunted our, I mean, this morning or last morning it was not far at all i mean i bet we were a quarter mile from it or, yeah or just up know, the maybe ridge. even an eighth of a mile like we were not far so we were in the proximity of a lot of birds and but when they're not being vocal on the roost and stuff you know you're just not finding that out yeah so we we spent our that morning or that evening there up on the 400 road and we had found some good tracks on that road some fresh tracks yeah and what we thought were tom tracks and a decent amount of poop so we were we were noticing that that was an area that we wanted to come back and at least sit down and listen to and at this point we've only heard you know i think at that point maybe one gobble yeah one gobble. the one gobble and then yes because we went zero one zero that's how it went we heard the one gobble i still don't remember what we did no we'll figure we'll think about it but so on that fourth morning we come in and we're gonna set up just on this road because we got this point where this bottom uh this kind of makeshift road comes out of the bottom or goes down into the bottom and it meets the road that we're that we're walking on and uh so we're about to sit down setting up this corner and we hear a gobble and that was how far away do you think that was would have been uh, i think i mapped it out at around like 400 yards or something so not not extremely close but still in the in the money somewhere and this, you know, and then because we're like, okay, we want to get on this bird. It's like the second bird that we've heard yeah. gobble. And so we walk way down in that bottom. Well, we inch our way down in that bottom, I think, relatively quietly. You know, you always got freaking uh, thorns grabbing you and trying to rip you. And you're walking through them in the dark because you're not using your phone. Mm-hmm. And so we get down in that bottom and we get set down. And these birds just start lighting up. Like, yeah, there are three of them. Yeah, three toms. We heard one farther back to the east. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he, we think he was still about 400, four or 500 yards. But we heard a couple within 200 yards. And Jake started calling. And we, I mean, they worked closer, didn't they? Yeah, they, whenever we, whenever I called the first time, they really did seem to respond. They fired back and, uh, you know, called again, fired back. And this time they were, I don't know. 50 or 75 yards closer and after that I mean they got quiet it was and in between us and them again it was one of those deals where we went down a pine ridge into a hardwood bottom but the this time it was one of those marshy areas kind of it was similar to the beaver uh, pond area that that we had already described but this time it wasn't actually dammed up and so some of those places just make kind of natural pools of mm-hmm. water and, and collect more water than than other spots would but those hardwoods didn't extend to the center of this place and so there's not really i mean it, it is somewhat open but whenever there's no canopy it gives room for all those weeds and stuff to to take hold and and, and root in and without that leaf litter you just you don't end up getting this matted floor and so yeah. we we set up and we somewhat expected the birds not to want to come across there but we and i guess i guess at this point and i told christian early on that it seemed like we were hunting 
in part not to not to miss an opportunity instead of going out to actually just you know take a risk and and you know actually kill a bird and so we we hung back and but that being said the birds were only 200 yards away you know and and they did get closer so we had reason to think that they were working in because they did and uh, they got quiet for about 20 minutes or so and uh, that's one thing that we've realized with these easterns is just that they go quiet on you whereas a rio is more apt to sound off i mean and that's something that we knew but it's just it was affirmed on this trip for sure it was affirmed and you you see there there is still a system in how they gobble even though they get quiet on you like you can still kind of tell what those birds are doing when they go quiet and so they did they went quiet for probably 20 more minutes and we're expecting them to be popping up at any point which is what we you know we ended up having experiences where that was the case and but on this on this uh, occasion they they sounded off and they were back to about the same distance they were the first time and so we realized you know that they're not coming in and we're we're starting to realize that it's so early in the season that you know if you want to get on these birds you're gonna to have to emulate one of their hens early in the morning because that's when they're fired up and so we cross that marsh and we get on the other side and we're, we can't be but just a few hundred yards from these birds and uh, they'd worked back east of us a ways and we start working up the ridge to I guess get around in front of them is what we were trying to do and we just got in some really really thick stuff just underneath those pines there wasn't it wasn't clear there was uh, just uh, those like blackberry thickets and then uh, oh what else was there there was a lot of underbrush yeah I forget I went blank for a second on what that stuff is there's just uh, just a bunch of thorny stuff up underneath there and so we we get up on the ridge finally and uh you know, it, the birds had quit gobbling at that point, so we kind of feel like we've missed our opportunity. We come back in there. We get well. We went back into town, grabbed a bite to eat, and we were pretty much back out there within an hour or two and sat down for the rest of the evening. In the draw that we ended up finding out was actually pretty clear. It was, it was just a hardwood bottom that leached up through the pines, and it was where those birds took that got them to the top so quick. And... Uh, and we ended up using it as access later on but we hunted all that day for i think six hours and didn't hear didn't see a thing and uh it's just pretty discouraging you know whenever you know you're in the mix of birds but they're not sounding off and so at that point we came back in that next morning so this is day four now right no this would be day five this would be day five no. Yeah, day three we didn't know what we did that morning. Day four, those birds sounded off those dirty gobbles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so day five, jeez. But day four we found out that... No, that can't be right. Yeah, it is. Five, six, seven. No, because day five... Okay, yeah. We found out that those birds were working up to these areas where... They were liking they were liking to gobble and get a little sun out on those roads, and that's how we knew to get back in that bottom because we saw where they come out of the bottom, and we could, wouldn't we couldn't tell where they had went back into the bottom, so like there was a lot of bottom, so we didn't know where we had an idea, and we think our hunch was probably right on which one they went in. 
but we found their tracks up there and so we went back in there on day five and by this point you know what we're hearing we're talking to some local people um some people i'm posting on my instagram and people are you know commenting tell me they're from mississippi and you know this is what they're seeing and people that have killed a few birds and they were they were telling us that we needed to get up at a point where we could transition as soon as we heard the first gobble and which is what we had kind of put together on our own but it right. was nice to hear it from other people yeah so that's what started day five yeah we went in after that we know you know we're gonna hear gobbles in the morning whether it's one four five six or whatever typically not not that many but uh so we got back up on that road on day five and we sat up there and it was later it was like they were gobbling at 6 30 ish but this was like 6 40 6 45 and we still haven't heard a gobble and that one sounds off and he's four or five hundred yards away but we know exactly where he had he had been or what he came remember because he was they were using that top of that little area for a strut yeah. zone and so yeah that's something that we we forgot to mention yeah what was this what was up with the strut zone how are they using that for like so since they're on these bottoms and stuff what are they what are they doing in the mornings to to come up and, and strut their stuff didn't we hunt we hunted those birds three days three mornings it might have been we might have done that on day three i think we did yeah yeah day three was when we heard the 30 gobbles right maybe yeah and then day four we might have can't hunt those birds twice yeah, because because we five. found where they strut one morning, and then the next morning is when we actually got on them. Yeah, yeah, okay, that makes more sense. So, yeah. So what yeah. do we need to recap there to just on how avoid some confusion? So just switch the thirty gobbles to day three. That's what happened day three, and then so we hunted these birds that were that were using these roads up there, and we found out that they were strutting, and they were using these these roads that. They, walk, they were up on top of the pines or up on the top of the bottoms. And they would, I don't know if they flew down on them on the roost or if they flew in the harbor bottom and walked up. It looked like, <laughs> it, it looked like those tracks let in, but like what they were doing is on those ridges, there were areas where the logging companies had, had paved, not paved, but they had made roads that went down near these hardwood bottoms. So decrease in elevation so it gets pretty close to where these birds are roosting and you can tell that the old logging companies used to turn their vehicles around right there so it made a circular platform that was you know off from the floor of the hardwood bottom but kind of kind of on the transition line between hardwoods and pines and we heard him in there and we book it over there and we end up seeing tracks and strut marks we could see where his wings had been dragging the ground and uh you know some poop and so we know we're in the mix and i start calling and he just nothing sounds off and so we you know disregard it and kind of care well then we then we hook back around to the second platform because we assumed from the way the tracks were going that they were going to work down one hardwood bottom into the next and so we cut around and we see a fresh hand track and some poop and we're like okay well either they've already been through here or you know that was just a hen off by herself and looking back i think that it had to have been those birds because that next morning uh they were in that area they were they were right there roosted yeah and like 
that afternoon, I, I guess, is what, that's when we went back in there and, and hunted all day? Yeah, we sat down in there, and Bart, and at the end of the evening, Bart Owl called, and just nothing would sound off on the roost. So, like, you know you're probably within four or 500 yards of a bird, but you just don't know in what direction. Yeah. So, you have to sit up on those roads, and we got up there, so that, that bird sounded off, though, so we heard a bird sound off on morning five, and we're like okay we know what we're and, doing and whenever we went in that morning we had just we were like all right we're gonna stand on the road and we're pretty much gonna sprint to where we hear this first gobble exactly because there's so, a couple different directions they could have came from yeah or roads to act that we could access to get into these bottoms quickly yeah so we heard that first one and we there was a clear cut there was a hard there was a hardwood bottom and we're like we think he's right here and so we sprint over there we sat down on top where like where those trucks were turning around for a few minutes and called, right? Yeah, got got one to go, got him, I guess, to gobble back. And whenever we were up there, I was like, I think that's straight east of us. And Christian, we you know kind of thought that it was down in the hardwood bottom. And so we, regardless, we felt like we needed to get down there. So we get down in the hardwood bottom, and and he gobbles again. And it it really stinks to put that much. Uh, to rely that heavily on vocalization because you know you would like to be able to get on those birds without it but it really does just like that's what separated our success I mean somewhat success that morning from the previous is just that he decided to gobble more, more than once more than one time you know so we got down in there and he gobbles again and I'm sitting there I'm like I think because because now I'm thinking he's north of us and Christian thinks he's east and no matter what you know we he was like 250 yards away not very far and knew he could hear us calling and uh thought about working up to the other side there was a road over there and we were thinking that he was up there strutting around just like he had done the day before and just decided to wait it out sit down we've been told we have been told that they're gonna if you hear him if you're on if you hear a bird and you're in the mix just stay put yeah and and it really helped because by looking at uh our onyx we could tell that there wasn't a hardwood bottom to the east of us so it was either they were gonna do something different than what we had seen so they were they were either gonna go off into the pines and the two-year-old clear, clear cuts or they were going to come down into our hardwood bottom and it just made sense to stay put so we stay there for 20 minutes maybe even 30 before we we heard anything and uh yeah we hadn't heard him gobble since we got down in there right Are yeah we, it's the, okay yeah, yeah so we had heard it <laughs> we got down in there we heard him gobble that's when we started questioning our, our originals on like where where he was yeah like we started we switched yeah that's we, when we flip-flopped yeah and so since we didn't know we had flip-flopped we we're like we don't really want to move because we know we're in his mix we know they like these bottoms mm-hmm. and we don't know exactly what direction he's coming because when you're down in there and stuff it's hard to tell exactly it can distort the sound and you know if there's if there's fingers that come off of there it's like the sound comes in and, and goes out and just it kind of twists it a little bit but we we sat there for I mean 20 or 30 minutes without hearing anything and 
just boom to our right about 200 yards away herding gobble and uh, we knew that we we figured they were coming we we just thought that they had to and so we were sitting there and you know they gobble again and this time they're at 150 and so they're working in we know that they are and we sat there again for another 20 minutes or so without seeing it or hearing anything and we're like we thought we should move didn't we or no, 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 that was beforehand. Okay, keep going. At, the, yeah, at this point, we're just like, what happened? You know, yeah. we don't know what's going on. And it, I mean, we had been sitting there from that from the second gobble we heard on top of the turnaround. Uh, I bet it's been an hour to an hour and a half at this point, and just slow moving. You know, just haven't made. I mean, they probably closed in a hundred yards or maybe two hundred since we've heard them, and. Uh, so we're we're sitting there and finally i'm like i see them and here they come two two hens uh that i could see were working up on the opposite side of the creek that split this little hardwood bottom and it's probably i don't know 80 yards across if you don't include the the ridge that starts going up and uh, hens hop over onto our side they're feeding straight towards us and see the toms there's two of them in the back and and we were just thinking this is our chance you know and uh hens end up popping back over to the other side with the toms and at this point how far do you think the toms were whenever you started to be able to see them and they were strutting they were probably 80 80 yards away 80 90 yards away but they looked they looked much further like they looked miniature yeah, and look look quite a bit smaller and that's something that i experienced with the turkey the eastern that i shot in kansas is it just for whatever reason and i mean you know you get maybe it's maybe it's the enclosure but like being in oklahoma most of the time it's wide out in the open and most of your shots are going to come at 20 to 25 yards for sure under 30 and i mean i just that was the farthest shot i'd taken is at like 38 37 yards in kansas Mm -hmm. and I remember him thinking he looked small, and it, these birds, you know, they they just looked, they just looked small. They looked like small birds, even though they're not. Yeah, yeah, they were. So they were walking. They walked creep. I didn't see the hen, or I saw a hen first, and I looked to my left and I saw one just in full bloom, just a tom, just strutting, you know. And it's so cool to watch them go from, you know, to relax to strut, to relax to strut, and they're just puffing up. They're going half strut and just. The, the sun was rising, uh, rising in the east, and it was just blowing through their fans, and they looked almost golden. And so it was a little euphoric to watch them come up, at, come up through that bottom. And they had these dark chocolate fans, really big fans. Um, but just got to watch them strut and stuff at 80, and they're kind of working a little bit further away on the other side of the ridge. But, you know, we're thinking we're definitely going to get a shot. And then, so the hens are working past us, the hens work in like 25 to 30 yards. Yeah. And there's, yeah, they worked in real close. And I don't think Jake saw how close they actually were. Um, but then I the didn't ever see the hens once they got uh, pretty much parallel with us. It was just, I, I could kind of see the toms and that was it. Yeah. So at this point, we're thinking we're going to pull a double. And because if they if they close into the hens and you know this time of year they're obviously real real close to their hens so their hens closed in real close and we think or at least in, in my mind 
I'm thinking that if they walk where these hens are, we're gonna kill. We're gonna kill at least two of them. And they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't. We had a marginal shot at like 35 to 40 yards. And another thing to mention is that we powdered our guns beforehand and only hit like four pellets at, at 40 yards. Yeah, that was that was. I misplaced my turkey choke too and I guess just didn't really drop the ball on getting that put together before our trip which I mean to be honest if you're if you're good to 30 yards that's where I mean ideally you would be good to 40 but and, and we were good to 40 but it was just you don't want that to be your max range is the deal at least not in my opinion I'd like to be comfortable range. to 50 or so and and uh, you can make those 40-yard shots, but it's just it's nice knowing that you have that extra 10 yards or 5 yards, and and to have conf confidence in your gun is a really big deal. And whenever those birds worked in, I mean, it, it looked as if it was going to work perfect. We we let the hens feed past us. They got, you know, I mean, past us, not parallel, but past us, and at like 25, 30 yards, and I was talking to Christian, you know, just barely whispering to him, and he said that that was his only shot. He said, yeah, I have one window, and this is it. And uh, I asked him if I was like, what about what about to your left, you know, where the hens were? I was thinking, well, what about if they could feed, you know, past where the hens were, then it, it was going to be much more open and even closer than the shot that we already had. And uh, that's about when the hens just they picked us apart somehow they saw something that they didn't like and i guess the sun was glaring on us one, a lot too yeah the sun had had uh, rose enough that it was finally what when we were in the shade it start, had started beaming down on us and something to mention is i had uh, left my gloves under a tree one of the days previous and so my hands i mean they're completely exposed and uh i had a tree in front of me but my, i should have had my knees up you know if I didn't have gloves that way I could cover those but just don't even know if that was what spooked the hens because they weren't they weren't really even spooked they never put they didn't they didn't do I mean they didn't they just didn't act that spooky but they they did they started to scurry off just east of us up that ridge and I mean I've never seen a hen do this and it might just be one of those mannerisms that that's different between those rios and, and easterns but they climbed to the top of the hill and they flew without making a sound and uh probably only flew 200 yards i mean they just it was just an, a glide and they went down to the hardwood bottom again and because of that those toms they followed those ends up there and they didn't really know what was going on and i mean you would at this point you abandoned the double idea and you would shoot one while it's walking away but the deal is it's just so thick in there that even at 35 yards maybe 40 yards you know those birds they've got they've just got too much cover to shoot through so they they scurry to the top too not like not that scared either and just kind of sit up there and watch and uh and that was it that was that was them gone they weren't going to come back in after that called at them and they looked down in there but at that point you know don't have a decoy or anything uh they can pretty much just see the entire floor and if there's nothing in there that looks like a hen then they're it's just sound there's no they can see well enough that they know that something's up 
Yeah. They worked over that that finger, and we what we thought would just be working, you know, working off, continuing down the bottom or something. But what, one thing I noticed when they were up there is the sun was beaming past them, and you could, like, see through their the fat that was hanging on their necks. Like, their red heads were so apparent. Um, but they sat up there, they looked at us, and then... So we waited. How long, how much longer did we wait before we stood up? Probably not that long, like ten minutes. But it they had worked off into that that two year old clear cut, and so I mean there were pines that were six foot tall, yeah, and just really tall grass, just some really thick cover that we didn't think they had a you know a chance to even see us. And so we're we know that we had blown our shot, and probably we could have worked up the you know cut around them and got in front and just watched them mill through without calling and maybe gotten a shot but when we stood up those two toms they bust and they flew and could kind of hear them cackle a little bit so we knew that we we really scared them then and it was time to find for those birds <laughs> yeah for those birds that was all that was written and that was our uh Hey guys, thank you so much for consuming the Hunter's Advantage podcast. We really appreciate it, and we really do do the podcast for you all. And just to stay in tune with that and what you guys want to hear, feel free to message us on Facebook or Instagram on who you would like to see on the podcast next.